This is statistics part three. Okay, we just looked at tests you can use to compare nominal data, which is non-parametric. How about ordinal data, which is also non-parametric? Now remember, ordinal data are small, medium, large, grade one, two, three, data that are ranked. For unmatched samples, Mann-Whitney. For matched samples, Wilcoxon. Matched versus unmatched are examples like pre and post treatment um, at time of birth and at 20 years later. Um, same person, same variable, different time point. So for ordinal data, you use the Mann-Whitney with unmatched data and Wilcoxon for matched data. If you have two or more groups, you would use Kruskal-Wallis for unmatched data and you would use Friedman for matched data. What kind of tests can you use to compare the means of interval data? Now remember, interval data are parametric. These are continuous data like weight, height, and age. So what kind of tests can you do to compare means of interval data, compare the means of weight, height, age? If you have two groups, you can use the student's t-test. Simple comparison. If you have three groups, you use the analysis of variance, ANOVA. If you're going to compare multiple times, there's something called Bonferroni correction. And you would use this Bonferroni correction if you're going to use do multiple comparisons. And that's essentially your alpha divided by how many comparisons you're going to perform. And that's how you correct your data. That is not something I can do myself. I would say it's important to just know when to utilize the Bonferroni correction. When would you use logistic regression? <clears throat> when would that be useful? Well, you use logistic regression with nominal data. And again, I'm going to continue to remind us, nominal data is male-female. Nominal data are non-parametric, okay? So you would use logistic regression with your nominal data, which can be helpful as it can predict the significance of your variables. How much a variable independently predicts something, like survival. When would you use linear regression? So you would use linear regression when you want to predict significant variables with interval data. Interval data being parametric, weight, height, age, continuous data. So to review, logistic regression for nominal data 
when you want to predict significance of variables. And linear regression with interval data, which pre can predict significant variables. What is a case control study? Is it retrospective or prospective? Case control studies are retrospective. Does it start with the exposure or the disease? It starts with the presence or absence of the disease. It looks back in time to find out if the person you're studying was exposed or not. So it's a retrospective study, case control, of patients with a disease and without a disease. I have a case control study of women with endometrial cancer and women contemporary to that group without endometrial cancer. And I'm going back in time to look at whether they were exposed to a high fat diet. Now, what kind of ratio is generated from a case control study? Is it an odds ratio or a relative risk? It's an odds ratio. So case control studies, case control studies generate odds ratios. Odds ratios are the exposed and the unexposed patients who have the disease, high fat diet and low fat diet patients with endometrial cancer over high fat diet, low fat diet in patients who do not have endometrial cancer. That's what an odds ratio is. Now, what are some potential pros and cons of case control studies? Well, case control studies allow you to study rare diseases because you know they have the disease. And you can look at a lot of different exposures or risks because you've selected your population. So small cell carcinoma of the ovary hypercalcemic type, not a very common disease. And if you wanted to know if there were environmental exposures for these young women, you could identify all of them and you could look back in time. It's a rich way of looking backwards in time. A con is survival bias and recall bias. So one issue is if they're not around to tell you the story. The other is if they just don't remember or they, they have cancer now and so they, they wanna remember that something happened to them. And either way, you can't really validate their exposure. Medical records aren't great. Personal testimony is not always valid. Um, trying to factually say, like, we're sure this person was exposed is difficult. So pro is you can study rare diseases, con, recall bias, survival bias. Tell me about cohort studies. Are they retrospective or prospective? Well, they can be both. They can be retrospective and they can be prospective. So we've all heard of prospective cohort studies and we've all heard of retrospective cohort studies. So do they start with exposure or disease? 
These studies typically start with exposed versus no exposed patients. So we have a patient, we have a group of patients we're going to study prospectively who have high fat and low fat diets, and we're going to follow them over time to see if they develop endometrial cancer. Or we have a retrospective cohort of patients like the Women's Health Initiative, lots of data collected on those patients. And because we know what their diets were like, we're going to look at patients exposed to high-fat versus low-fat diets, and we're going to see if they developed endometrial cancer over the time period we had all that data. So it can be retrospective and it can be prospective. Now, if case control studies generate an odds ratio, what do cohort studies generate? Right, cohort studies generate a relative risk. And a relative risk is the probability of a disease, the probability of endometrial cancer in high-fat diet-exposed patients divided by the probability of endometrial cancer in low-fat diet-exposed patients. So the like wordy way of describing this is exposed with disease divided by exposed with disease plus exposed without disease. So all those exposures with and without. Divided by unexposed with disease, divided by unexposed with disease, plus unexposed without disease. Relative risk, probability of disease in exposed patients divided by the probability of disease in unexposed patients. Quite wordy. And that's a cohort study. What are some pros and cons of cohort studies? Well, one of the pros in the, in the fact that it's pro can be prospective is it's cheaper. It's a prospectively designed trial option that's cheaper than a randomized controlled trial. It's a way to ethically study an exposure you couldn't necessarily ethically study all exposures in a randomized control trial. You're not going to expose people to something that you think is going to cause harm. So RCTs wouldn't be very reasonable. So this is a real advantage to cohort studies. Now, cons would be selection bias. So, um, you know, who do you decide to include in your cohort study? And that's where randomized studies are better than cohort studies. And another issue is if you want to look at an exposure that's particularly common, it's going to be hard to find unexposed controls. So if you're asking a question around high-fat diet in the United States, it's going to be really hard to find people with a low-fat diet, perhaps. Or more simply, um, I'm going to look at ibuprofen exposure and risk of cancer. Well, I, a lot of people take ibuprofen. Very few people don't over time. So um, it would be hard to find unexposed controls for your study.